I'm Ari Mizell, and this is The Art of Less Doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast, episode 120. Uh, how you doing, Felix? Hey, not so bad, man. I had some uh, audio problems this uh this week, so uh, I'm using a iPhone, iPhone, uh, you know, headphones. So that's the mic I'm using. So I'm sorry if it sounds a little tinny, but it's just going to have to be that way for this episode. And um, sounds pretty good to me, actually. So don't worry. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. <laughs> well, and also I should mention, whilst I'm on the topic, I had my output set too loud last week, and funny enough, there I was on my high horse talking about audio quality and and the actual audio quality of my mic in the last podcast was pretty bad because it kept on distorting because I had the volume level up too high and I couldn't hear that when I was recording it. So um, so anyway, um, that's why it didn't sound so good when I was talking all about how my mic is so great. Anyway, uh, let's get back to it. <laughs> well, <laughs> How okay. <are> you doing? <laughs> I, I, I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's a learning process for everybody, and, and the more we learn, the better we get. So, um, exactly. That's fine. Uh, so, this episode of the Less Doing Podcast is sponsored by Design Pickle. Yes, Design Pickle. Uh, so, uh, what is Design Pickle? <laughs> uh, so, this guy Russ Perry, who has a had a blog, uh, or uh, yeah, had a blog called The Optimized Dad. Uh, he's a work-at-home dad, really cool guy who we, I've been in touch with for a while now. Uh, he is a graphic designer, and he's basically started a new company called Design Pickle. And what they offer is unlimited design help for $195 a month. Oh, yeah. This is what we uh, what we looked at last week, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And Russ has decided to very graciously sponsor the podcast uh, this week, and also he's going to be involved in the May event. But really cool guy, and I think it's a really great service that he's offering. So if you need sort of you know updated design help or you need to you know fix a logo or mock up a website graphic, you can get that done. Unlimited requests, unlimited revisions within, 20, uh, within 48 hours for $195 a month. So check out Design Pickle. And thank you for sponsoring us, Russ. Oh, great. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, actually, along those lines, the first website I want to talk about... Oh, oh sorry. By the way, the, you know, the interview this week is with John Nastor of Hack the Entrepreneur. And there's not much preamble for you to, me to give you. It's a really, it was a, a cool conversation, and um, John's talking to some really interesting people. So, the, the first link I want to talk about is called Snap Copy. And uh, this is a really cool one. And I've talked about how I've learned more and more about marketing recently. So Snap Copy basically provides you with copywriters on demand uh, that'll make your copy way better in 48 hours or less. Now, copywriting is an art form that I have come to appreciate. And the thing that is so interesting about copy is that it really can make or break your sales. Uh, it's It's not just about, you know, a well-designed ad or anything like that. It's really the mm -hmm. words that people use, you know, so not, not just in ads, but the emails that you send out, you know, maybe you're doing a flyer, maybe you're, whatever it might be. Yeah. The way something's written really, yeah, can have a big effect on whether or not somebody ends up purchasing or on a, on a higher level, if you want to look at it this way, it's really whether or not you can 
compel them to believe in you and your product. You know? Okay. So uh, it, this is not a cheap service by general standards, but it is very inexpensive by copywriting standards. So okay. the way they do it is by credits, and uh, essentially a credit costs about $100. Um, and, what, for example, one credit would be to, uh, like, they create a better short description of something, whereas four credits would be to write an entire sales email. Um, and oh, so okay. if, if you're talking about like $400 to write a really effective sales email, mm-hmm. maybe that doesn't sound so cheap, but that is really good pricing for copywriting. And the truth is, is that you can directly correlate that to making money. I see. You know, so it's, it's like basically you can spend $400 on an on email that results in, you know, $4,000 in sales, or you can try to write it yourself and get no sales, basically. <laughs> no, no. I, when I was looking at this, I was wondering, um, you know, I want to set up a, a website for, um, for, for music, custom music for podcasts. And I was wondering if, would they be able, do, do you know how the process works? Do you have to, do you write a draft of the copy and they sort of correct it? Or can you just get a, give out the bullet points that you want to get out and they'll do it? Um, so, They'll they'll write they'll write it from scratch. It says they'll write a lead gen page. They'll they'll uh, they'll write a sales email. So if they'll write the whole thing, then oh, yeah. that would work. Um, and then it says that they'll revise stuff as well. So you could also write a really bad version and then have them yeah. fix it, basically. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's uh, very cool. It's a good good service offering. Yeah. So uh, the the next link is called Return Saver, and it's a, it's a service from Claris, and I think... Yeah, this is very interesting. Yeah, so it's it's basically insurance for buying stuff online, essentially, is okay. what this is. Right. Uh, so it's $49 a year, and for that, you get unlimited FedEx returns of packages to, that you bought okay. from online retailers. Yeah. Yeah, this looks really good, I thought, because, um, I mean, now how does it work? Is it a subscription-based system? It's $49 a year. $49? Really? For unlimited returns. Yeah, that's pretty good because, you know, like an average... That's amazing because, I mean, we buy, we buy so many things online. And Claire, was, I was literally talking to my wife about it this morning. Um, and she was saying that what she will do when she's looking at buying, usually clothes for the children, she will go on and she will... Um, She'll probably find she will buy from a retailer that has free shipping, even if it means paying a little extra, like ten percent extra. She will actually go ahead and buy from the people that can return, just because. Well, like Zappos, for instance. So, hmm? like Zappos is really good about that. They offer. Well, Zappos, for example, does have free shipping both ways. Right. And so, for that reason, yes, that's why they're great for that. Um, but th- no, but this basically gives you that, you know. Well, exactly. So she was very interested in this this whole service. So, um, so yeah, I think we may well be signing up if it's forty nine dollars a year. That is, um, that's very affordable for us. Yeah, and and again, that's why I said that's why I said it's like an insurance play because you know, I, I mean, me personally, like I, I would probably. I'd probably blow through two hundred dollars worth of returns, you know, easily. So um, yeah, obviously, right. they're they're banking on the people who are going to use this, you know, once or twice. Yeah, yeah. So really good service, and and again, you know, it it it, it deals with one of the hurdles that I think people have with buying online, which is that 
you know, until you really have it like in your hands, you're not really sold on it kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Well, also it's, it's not just the, um, the ability to ship back for free. It's also the fact that making the label and everything is very, this service offers it, um, makes that process very easy. And just the whole daunting process of having to go through a return printer, out a shipping label, um, you know, when you when you have kids at home and you don't have that much time, it's um, it's actually that's a big weight off your shoulders. Exactly, mm. exactly. Um, okay, so uh, the next one is an app called Upkeep. It's Upkeep app, and uh, whether you are living in a house or an apartment, this basically it it, it, it actually it's not just for the house. It, this is it's interesting stuff. This is like all the kind of habitual stuff that comes up in life that you need to worry about or think about or remind yourself to do. And so this comes with, let me give you some context. So this comes with hundreds of built-in tasks, like change the air filter in your house uh, or in your, you know, HVAC systems. Um, They give an example of change contact lenses every, I guess it says every day or so. Uh, Change engine oil. Yeah. You know, so. I was wondering how this, how this differs from like a, calendar or just general reminders app well um, so I, I, I like the look of it I, I i think that the only really differentiator is that it basically gives you hundreds of you know examples oh that's cool okay. so yeah and so it's like things that you wouldn't necessarily think of like check the chart check the tire pressure in your car um mm-hmm. and then you know more of the obvious things like go to the gym that's the one that they have obviously i want to go to the gym every two days and this will sort of give you that schedule but this is like uh, upkeep, you know, I think it's a, it's actually a good way to call it. It's like upkeep. This is just sort of like the general maintenance kind of stuff that you need in your life. Yeah, I see. So uh, it's just cool. I think it, you know one sort of specific reminder service to take uh, take a little headache off your shoulders. Right, right. So now the next one is is a, a really really cool for certain people. Uh, so uh, Felix, do you know what Kanban is? You ever heard of Kanban? Do I know what what is sorry? Uh, Kanban or Kanban? No, what's yeah, that? No, so I, I mean, I didn't expect it. No, it's fine. So, uh, <laughs> it, so basically, can I don't even know. I think it's Kanban or Kanban. Kanban. Uh, it's a, it's a one of the many efficiency systems that was developed in Tokyo or in Japan. Sorry, uh, I think it was actually developed at Tokyo. Oh yes, Toyota. yes. I wanted to ask you about this Kanban view. Yeah, this is the Evernote plugin, right? Yeah. So uh, more or less. Kanban is, it basically helps you visualize a chain of production, if you will. Okay. Um, so a lot of people use it for project management. So Kanban is just, it's, it's just, you know, it's what people refer to. So if you, if anybody's ever used Trello, uh, I think Asana may set it up this way too, but basically in Trello, you have cards. So, you know, I'm sorry if you haven't seen this, anybody, but try to, actually, you know what the best way to visualize this? Think about yeah. sol- think about the game of solitaire, okay? okay. And mm-hmm. how you have rows of cards going down, or columns of cards rather, columns of cards. Yeah. And then each of those cards is a task. So think about it that way. So that that's essentially what a Kanban organization is. You know, so something is in the very left pile, and now it's moved on to the next phase. So it goes over to the right pile, and then it gets finished okay. and it goes away. You know, so it, like that. So what Kanban? Th- this service is called Kanbanote. And it basically turns Evernote into Trello, more or less. 
So oh, it's a okay. it's a really really cool way of looking because I I do like Evernote as like a project management template um, and and depending on what you do you may or may not need to visualize it this way but for example uh, if you're in real estate uh, you know this is a really really great thing you know so you have all of the deals that somebody just sent you and it's like oh check out this property cool property whatever and so you have those on the left side and then the mm-hmm. second the second column might be ones that you're actively working on. And then the third column might be ones that are in contract. The fourth one might be ones that are closed. You know, so basically, as they progress through your process, they move from one column to the next and the next. Okay. You drag them across, and it just it just lets you visualize oh, what you're doing. Cool. Yeah. So I actually really like this. I don't personally use Canvas because I, I I don't project manage in that way, but. I do like Trello and I do like Asana for people when people ask me for a project management recommendation. And this turns Evernote, which we all know I love, into a really, really effective project management tool. Yeah. Wow. That is really cool. I'm just looking at Trello. Right I, now. I feel like it would probably be useful for oh. you, Felix, too, in terms of what you do, you know, like because you're, you're composing for film. So it's like, our, you know, what stages you're in with various yeah. pieces and stuff. So, no, it, it, really, it really would be, actually. Yeah. So anyway, I really uh, recommend checking that out. Uh, It's a very, very cool way to interface with. I really no, I really like that, and I'm just trying to. Yeah, I think um, I think I'm going to give that a try. Yeah, that could work really well for my projects actually. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the next one is an on-demand service, and I'm almost surprised that there's a big market for this, but I, I, I do get it, and I would use this. Uh, so it's called Mountery, and basically it's on-demand picture framing. Mm-hmm. So they have two services. One is that you basically you, you, you tell them what the picture size is, and they will send you the materials to frame it yourself really nicely with a mat and whatever wood frame you want and you know the, and all the hanging materials and everything. So it's basically like makes it as easy as possible to frame it. If you're located in uh, San Francisco, New York or uh, Seattle, a couple other places, for $25 somebody will come to your home and basically they will tell you like okay, these are the frames and this is what you can do and it's sort of like a, an in-home consultation. But effectively it's it's on demand picture framing, so you get the, all the materials you need to frame your picture and make it look that much nicer. But I, the thing I didn't understand about this is what's the difference between this and ordering a picture frame that comes with a mat? And because I mean, most picture frames will come with you know the hanging stuff on the back, and they may come with a mat. They they may not, you know. So uh, you know, basically, what I think is the difference is that. Yes, you could order a frame and stuff online. Um, I think that they're trying to make it easier. Maybe um, you know, I'm not, I'm not completely sure, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But that, that's that's my impression of it. You know, there's, I know that there's other framing sizes up, but I think that they're they're offering certain sizes and certain styles, and you know, still a variety, but with certain ones, and they're they're trying to make it a little cheaper, also. So it's just okay. easier to access is is what yeah. I'm getting from it. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they had included the uh, the Velcro. Like, the th- have you seen the three M Velcro? Picture yeah, frame? those are pretty cool. Because those make it so much easier, and they look amazing. Yeah, I just I just hung four pictures in um, in um, you know my son's room, and they and I just got the laser level out, put that on the wall, and 
just put these things on the back of the picture and you can just boom, 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 put them straight up and it looks amazing. Well, I use some measuring tape as well. But anyway. No, yeah, the, uh, the 3M, uh, what's it called? Uh, I just forgot now. What's it called? I don't know, but they're like 3M Velcro picture hangers. But there's not normal Velcro. It's like a, a solid Velcro that like clicks in. Yeah, Velcro. yeah. No, but it, oh, command, the command strips, right? Oh, is that what they're called? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it's really cool. And and they yeah, very, very cool. Um, okay. So the the next one is called the Kairos band or Kairos band Kairos T I'm not sure. It's a Kairos T band, I think. The T band, and, yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, so so this is awesome. This solves the big problem, in my opinion, with smartwatches, which yes, is exactly. that most people if if you're at least if you're a man, you know, I, I, like a, a watch is usually the kind of the only jewelry that a lot of men will wear, and you don't necessarily want to replace a really nice watch with a smart watch, right? Right, exactly. So this is a band that will go on any watch and make it smart. Yeah, and that's really that's really the, the smart. Strap, it replaces the strap. Of, it replaces uh, the strap, the, right? Yeah. Um, and Just it's pretty translating for our Brits. Full, yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> and it's pretty full featured. I mean, it's got a screen built in. It's got health sensors built in. Uh, it's yeah. It's touch sensor. I mean, like this is this is really cool. So it, put, it's, it's got an LCD screen in the actual wrist strap. I know it's amazing. Faces you. Now I don't know. Is that flexible? Well, that I really it, mind about that. But yeah, no. Um, so it's a organic LED uh, curved display. Well, it's curved, but it's solid, right? I imagine. Uh, I imagine it is solid, yes. Yeah, which is fine. But, um, but yeah, it's a really clever... I hadn't even thought of that. And um, it's a really clever... And you can, like, control... It's got. I imagine it's got buttons or sensors or something. A touch know. sensor, yeah. The screen is touch sensor uh, capable. Yeah. You can do gestures on it. So very, yeah. very, very cool. Uh, yeah. I love that approach. Um, okay, so then the last link that I want to talk about, and this is a, this is a really interesting uh, one, is called Hotel My Phone. Yes, another okay. genius invention. Yeah, so basically you set up the app on your phone, and then your friend has to have the app, but of course... Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. If I may. Yes. The idea behind this phone is that when your phone runs out of battery, which battery life these days is like the number one problem with smartphones... When your phone runs out of battery, the idea with this app is that you can use your friend's phone or your wife's or whoever's and have all of your access to all of your content, all of your contacts, receive your text messages and just carry on almost as if it's your phone with all of the, the, the bare essentials on that phone via use of an app. Is that right? Yeah. Well, hey, that was very well described. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I just had to uh, get the uh, anyway. It, I mean, it's pretty. So that that is really cool. And, and actually, so that's a that's a great example. Is you know your phone died, but you know yeah. what? Another example, honestly, is like uh, you're with a group of people and one person has their phone, and you know, I mean, this is planned. I mean, like for instance, I just had the mastermind retreat this past week. I'm less doing so. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to have everybody sort of technology free, I could have this app on my phone. Everybody could, every, you know, the other eight people could leave their phones somewhere. Oh, uh, yeah. And my That's phone true. could like, be like could a central a, phone. You could go on a camping trip and then, um, or, and then be able, everyone would be able to check their text messages or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be a disaster. Everyone would just be fighting over this phone. Well, um, or, but, or, you yeah. know, you go, maybe you go out to dinner with your, with your spouse, you know, and only one of you takes a phone, for example. Like that's, yeah, you know, that's it's, true. it's just yeah. kind of a neat little thing. 
No, I suppose the 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 other person. Let's say I'm using it, and let's say um, my phone's died, and um, I've obviously set all of this up on my wife's phone for this, you know, um, in, in anticipation of that. Um, do you have to install the app on the on my wife's phone? Yes, and then log in, and then I'll be able to receive text messages and my see my contacts and all of that. Is that how it works? Exactly. So you have to yeah. pre pre plan it on your phone, but you don't have to pre plan yeah. on the other person's phone because you can just download it, install, log in, basically. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, quite honestly, like in a real like in a real pinch, you could like walk into a Verizon store and walk over to one of their test phones. You know, and download this and do it. Get you know, do what yeah. you need to do for the next few minutes, and and then go on your what you're about your way. Right. I just think it's a really clever idea because I mean, we've all been in a situation where you know you're on your way somewhere, your phone just died, the person you're trying to meet with is texting you, and you know that they don't know that your phone has died, and you know this can get around that really well. Yep. Love it. So, all right. so well, that's all we got for this week. Um, so, thank you, everybody. Thanks for thank you, Felix. And thank uh, you. Yeah, we'll talk to you next time. Awesome. Okay. Thanks a lot. And now for feature interview. So now I'm speaking with John Nastra, who is the the voice of the man behind Hack the Entrepreneur. So, John, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, uh, first, let's give a little background. Like, How did you get to be the entrepreneur hacker? <laughs> <laughs> well, I live in small town Canada, and I make software at Velocity Page. That's like my business, what I do. But over the summer, I had several months off where there was not much to do. So I had lots of time and I just, I love talking business and I love talking with other entrepreneurs doing cool stuff. I get to talk to quite a few of them during my work day and with business, but not enough, I thought. So I figured I should just start a podcast where I can actually actively talk to two or three brilliant people a week. And then I don't feel so isolated when I am here at home. So that's what I did. That was the basis of it. I was literally, we were out at the cottage for a weekend. I read, reread again, Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. And I was just like, okay, let's do it. Followed it, started the podcast, no name, no anything, just started interviewing people. And within that, I did about 22 interviews and I just, I didn't really know my format yet or anything, but I kind of tweaked it throughout that. So half those interviews never are going to see the light of day because they were just me trying to figure out what the heck I was doing. And that was it. Launched it in September and been having fun ever since. Well, so who, well, which that's a great story. First of all, I mean, it's a, a, a nice story to hear, first of all, that you can sort of take the idea to, uh, to reality that way. But what, who was your first guest? I'm curious. My first guest that I actually interviewed was Patrick McKenzie. So a great, great software developer out of Japan. And he goes under Patio 11 and he blogs at Kalzumius, which every time he writes a blog post, it goes to like number one in Hacker News. Just somebody I've really looked up to. The interview turned out to be about an hour long, which my that's not my format at all. It's like a half hour episodes only, right? But I didn't know. I just wanted to talk to this guy. And I really just, there was a serious fear for me. I don't, I had never interviewed anybody in my life. 
I had never done so much of this. And I was just like, whatever, I'm not even going to think about this. I just created a list of 20 people that I really, really want to interview. I got to interview 16 of them and I just went for it. I literally just thought of it. And by the, that was that weekend. And I think it was Wednesday or Thursday of the following week that I interviewed Patrick McKenzie. Um, so it's, <laughs> I just, and I ended up actually using like heavily editing that one down and I released it, I think around episode 15, because it doesn't follow the format, but the content was so good. I wanted to get it out there, but I didn't want people to think that that was the format. So I made sure to put 15 ahead of it. So, and then I explained quickly at the intro that this is not my normal format, but this needs to get out there. Um, and it was fun. So. So this is interesting to me because I, my so my podcast journey actually has been kind of similar. I I thought that uh, you know it's like oh I should podcast and I and I wanted to sort of have these conversations uh, and and my format has changed significantly. Um, I'd say that I I think it probably hit its stride around episode forty or so. Like it kind of really yes. took me a while to figure out what I was doing. I was used to do much shorter interviews and. It, it, it was interesting, I think, but now it's it's a lot better. It's a lot more fun. What I find so fascinating about podcasting, and I, I didn't actually mean to go on this tangent, but now I'm going to, <laughs> uh, is you can get people to interview with you on a podcast that are really high level people that you don't know, and they'll say yes to a podcast. Do you find that? That I mean, do you find that? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing the people even before I had launched the people that I got to agree to a podcast was amazing. And now that it's launched, especially right now, it's like, wow, now I can reach out to so many people. And it's like, I can't believe I get to sit down with you for half an hour and just talk to you. That's amazing. It blows my mind. <laughs> well, and it's it's shocking because you can get people who are again very high level and I I mean I'm I'm assuming I I mean I assume for some reason that it, it, part of it has to do with the ease that that podcast interviews are, you know, like they can just sit in their chair in their home or whatever and do a Skype interview with you and not have to worry about it. They don't have to get makeup on and they don't have to go to some studio or whatever. But at the same time, it still always amazes me when people say, even now, because now, you know, my podcast actually gets pretty good following and downloads and stuff, but it's still, people say yes. And it's, it's really, it's really fun. Um, so it, it's such an amazing medium. And it's also one of the reasons why I'm, I encourage a lot of people, my clients especially, to start podcasts if they're thinking about doing something like that, because it, it is so easy to do it now as well. Yeah, I literally like I'm I, I'm not making it up. I literally went from just sitting at the beach and just like I'm going to do this, and that was it. No name, no branding, no anything. When I started interviews, I was just like literally cold sending emails. I'm creating a podcast. I don't know what the name is yet, but I mean, I have done some stuff online. Here's what I'm going to do, and here's my thing, and. I've nobody knew they were the, my first interview. I didn't tell them that at the time. Of I've course. told them that since then, but it's really, it's so incredibly simple. Like it's not easy. It's a lot of work, but it's super simple and it's blowing my mind how quickly like my show when it launched and how quickly it just kind of, my audience has built so fast and I literally get emails every day from just people like asking me questions, telling me they like it. And it just blows my mind. Amazing. Okay, so now to to get a little technical for a sec. So your sound is very very good, um, and this is so my, my brother in law, who is a, a professional composer, is my audio engineer now, and I I've learned more about sound and and sound quality and stuff in the last few months than I did 
anything before that. And uh, so your sound is very good. And I'm curious, did, did you, was that, did you have that figured out the right mic and everything beforehand? Did you like, what is your actual podcast process? How do you, how do you edit? How do you, do you know, how does it work for you? Okay. So me and my family were in the Philippines in March. Uh, we went to Chris Ducker's uh, little conference. I shouldn't say little conference to make it sound like that, but there was only 25 of us and it was amazing. And Pat Flynn was there and John Lee Dumas were there and they met my daughter who started a blog during that trip and was blogging. She's nine. And Pat was like, we were standing in line one day for lunch to get our food. And he was just, he had talked to Sadie the day before. And then he was just like, Sadie, you know what? If you want to start a podcast, when you get home, you just tell me, your dad, he'll email me and I'll buy you all the gear. So, <laughs> so he bought us like her, like the, the Heil PR 40 and stuff and the little mixer and like all of it. Right. And wow. so, I mean, that helped. And he's just like, well, cause then he talked to me after and he's like, no, I'm totally going to get it for her. And he's like, wait, that was Pat or, or John? That was Pat. Yeah. Okay. So and it's already John, blessed to begin with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. And then, and so he talked to me after and he was like, asked me what I had for a setup for mine. Cause he, we had already been masterminding and it was figured out that at some point I have to start a podcast soon. And so I was like, no, I have this and this. He's like, okay, we'll just, I'll buy you the full setup so you can use it too. So that helps. Right. Then I come from music. So, I mean, I grew up in the nineties when it was really, really hard to record your own band and that stuff. So we spent days and days setting up things and working with sound, right? And I'm kind of obsessed with music. So I have good headphones. I'm always listening to stuff. And so I've just focused on it, right? I mean, I use GarageBand through my laptop. I don't use anything fancy besides that. I mean, the microphone and stuff is, but it's just really me just really being picky when I was editing everything. And really my focus from the very beginning is what I said to myself was my guest is going to come on the show and you're right. It's really easy to come onto a podcast, but most podcasts don't sound good. I oh. said, I know that most of my guests will never listen to the show because they're busy and they've, they've already done me the favor of doing that. But I said, if any of my guests ever listen to the show, I want them to just stop and listen and be like, holy crap, man, I sound awesome. And I'm a genius. <laughs> I wanted them to feel so good. So I make sure like I cut out parts where they don't speak properly. I've, I've edited things together to make them sound right, but so they don't sound edited because I just really want my guests to be like, holy man, I'm really proud of that. And then they share it. And then they also like email me with, you should also do like interview this person and this person. And this. that's why I was introduced to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And so that was my focus to make sure that my guest sounds super, super smart and sounds really, really good. And that they always sound a little bit better than me, even if they have a worse microphone or anything, <clears throat> we produce them better so that they sound better than I do because they're the feature. And that's been my goal. I've now moved that on and I've hired an editor who does all of this. He's out of Portugal. And I literally, and he was like, at the beginning, he was like, why, why are we going over all this? I know how to edit. I was like, I said, it's not about the editing. You have to understand what I'm trying to accomplish. And I said, you have no idea how important my editing is. I said, if it sounds like crap, people are going to stop listening. And I literally get emails, people like, I'm listening to my car and it sounds amazing. That to me is important. People like that, right? It was just seems like such a logical thing. And I don't know why so many people just ignore it. Like radio sounds great. Why not make your podcast sound great? Because it's not that hard with today's technology. 
Yeah. And so, so that's really funny because I literally this morning sent an email to a friend of mine who is a, I'm not going to name him, but he's a very, very, very top podcaster. Like his top, his podcast is one of the top podcasts out there, but his sound uh, sometimes is inconsistent. And I'm like, man, your, your podcast is amazing. Like you got to, you got to fix this. So I, I actually connected him with my audio engineer and you're right. It makes such a difference. And there's a couple things on that. One, a lot of people are listening in their cars. So yes, yep. you have engine noise, you have all sorts of stuff. And if there's not that clarity, then it's going to be annoying. And the other thing is me personally, I actually, I actually listen to most podcasts at double speed. Uh, it, I, I graduated from one and a half speed uh, a while ago and it's, it, it actually requires a little bit more focus, but if there is even a little bit of bad quality in a sound, in a podcast, there's no way I can do that. Uh, and it's frustrating for me. So it makes a huge difference. Sometimes the delivery is almost, or it can be more important than the content in some cases because it makes just for more enjoyable listening experience. So, uh, okay. So, uh, but I'm also curious about some of the mechanics. So you record it and then you have this editor and then, I mean, cause I'm always about optimizing and you know, you're obviously about hacking the entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. people need to be focusing on their unique talents. So you're not doing any of the other posting and the editing and all that stuff now yourself. I do everything myself up to the editing point at is just taken over. This will be my fourth episode that comes out today that was edited by him. And I had now have a full-time assistant as of today that is starting and taking all the posting, all that out of my hands completely, but it hasn't happened yet. So my theory was that I'm going to, it's a business, like the, it's a business of podcasting to me. It's just because I run businesses, this is just the way I think, right? So I wasn't going to take on expenses of assistance and editing before I had revenue. And I now have revenue because I have a full-time sponsor of the show. And so now it was time to hire those people out. And that's just happening now. Before that, I did everything myself. for So for two months, I would say, yeah, five, was it six weeks? I did everything or seven weeks all myself. I just, because that's how I had no revenue. And I was just like, I just got to get this out. It's got to be exactly how I want it. And then I will go look for sponsors. Literally the day I decided to go look for sponsors, I got two requests for sponsorship that day. And then in the next, during that week, I got two more requests for sponsorship. I picked the one that I really, really wanted and was aligned best with me. And now it's great. So now I have revenue. So now I have can afford the expenses. <laughs> well, congratulations! That's awesome. Okay, so let's go. Let's talk about some hacks. Okay, so what what are some of the things that you have learned from the entrepreneurs that you've interviewed, and 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 some of the hacks that maybe you've instilled yourself? The biggest one, which is kind of a reverse hack, but that I've now asked like forty five guests, what is the what is the first thirty minutes of your day look like to set yourself up to be super productive and run these crazy businesses? Yeah. 43 of them have said they checked their email very first thing on their phone, which is hilarious because I, and I, I didn't realize this at the time, but it was Chris Gullibo was the first interview and that was, he was probably about interview 12 and it was like, oh my God, I said every single person so far has said this, yet everything we read tells us that you don't check your email. Billionaires, everybody, all these people, all these productive people, and what you should do is not check your email first thing because it sets you up to fail. And I totally disagree. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and why does everybody say that? That's and so I was just like, that's crazy. But I said the other thing. So this is the hack that I found was the fact that all of them said it though, fairly confidently, and they're confident just in 
themselves and how they work within their businesses. And that to me is the hack to figure out who you are, who John Naster is, how he works, and don't necessarily try and change it. You can optimize myself, but I can't optimize and be like, I can't act like you, right? I can't act like Chris Gullible. I can't act like it's just not going to work. I can only optimize myself to work within the way I work. And then I have to do that confidently because I have to trust that I'm good enough and I can kick ass myself to do it. And that's absolutely it because they all work very differently, but they all do that one thing. It just happens to be <laughs> the beginning. And then they all just, from there, they just go scatter into a million different places of how they work. So there isn't one way to work. And to me, that's the hack. It's really looking within you to see how it is you work and then to confidently go in that direction and optimize it so you're even more in that direction and not spread across trying to be like all these other people. Okay, now literally in that one answer, you just gave me enough, like I wish we had an hour to talk now. Um, but that, So there's a couple things there. One, I couldn't agree more about all of that. Um, my, my system productivity, less doing, doesn't actually try to teach you to use a new system. It just tries to... Uh, sort of make everything in your current life easier. That's why a lot of people complain about systems like GTD and stuff. Where and, and David Allen is awesome. He's been on my my podcast, and GTD is a incredible system for certain people. But it the is. people who it's not good for and try to use it, it's like the worst experience of their lives. Um, and that's that is a problem with a lot of these things. It's like this is how I'm productive, so this is how you have to be productive, and it just it just doesn't fit that way. But on the email thing, I love I love that you said that because. You see that all the time. It's like, don't check your email for a second. I love my email. I love checking my email. And the thing is, is if you're, I mean, you said you're you're living in the Philippines now? No, we're in Canada. Oh, we're you're in Canada. the Philippines. For but you were in the Philippines. Okay. So in the modern world, like it, you can do a lot more and you should do a lot more by email because you can keep track of things. You can do things uh, at, you know, whatever time of day. And like email is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And if you have an adversarial relationship with it, then yes, don't check it first thing in the morning. But if you're efficient with your email, then why wouldn't you check it first thing in the morning? It's it's always so funny to me when I see that. And it's exciting. Like I yes. love to check my email because just the the people and the things that are in my inbox now, it's just like, it's amazing. I wake up and it's just like, that's so awesome. I can't believe I'm talking to these people. But I mean, as you say, like you can't be like adversarial towards it. And I mean, I, I kind of am. If somebody, one of my guests emails me like a giant, non-paragraphed, super long thing. This is everything they're doing. I'll just respond. I'm like, put it into five sentences. I have this five sentence rule. Just explain it like this. If it's not in point form, so I can just get through it quick. Sorry. If you can't organize your thoughts enough, I can't help you. You're just, you're too far gone and you have to organize your own thoughts. And I'm all about like a one sentence email, two sentence email. That's it. Like, that's all I need. I just, you've got me now. Let's move on. You know what I mean? And so I am about optimizing it in that sense. And I try and push other people to, if you want to email when you want to have discussions, I'm all for it, but let's organize it so that it's simple to digest so that I can take it. It's on my phone. I'm usually out with my daughter, like just out in the park or something hanging out, right? Like I just, I don't want to have this long, like, oh my God, what am I scrolling through? I forgot what this person's even talking about. <laughs> so you do, I mean, you have to push people to work. If they want to work with me, they have to work within the way that I, I work. That's just how it is. And yeah, I think you have to also be confident in that and push that out to people and people actually respect it. And they'll totally work within that 
as long as they can. And if they can't, then that's great. We're not a fit. Let's move on. Yeah, so that's another excellent point too, is that I think especially for young entrepreneurs or people just sort of starting out, they feel like they have to mold themselves, or especially when they're going for funding. It's like you have to do everything you can to sort of be that chameleon and, and fit the thing, but then you end up sort of losing sight of your, your core principles, I feel like. And I don't, I don't mean like you're you're alienating yourself. I just mean it's, it's hard to keep up with all that kind of stuff. So you're absolutely right. And, and a great example is like schedule once, which is what I use for scheduling every meeting, uh, including you know this interview. And it's it's not about being arrogant or anything. It's like the, I have these certain times set, and I also have my uh, my schedule that is what it is. So it's like you know, go to my schedule link and pick any time that works for you. Of of course, it's going to be times that are within my work period. And if that means that I don't get to talk to somebody for two weeks, three weeks, or even a month or two, that's okay. But if they can find a time that works for them and works for me, then we're good. So and you're right. There's you have to have that confidence that the system that you've set up is the right system for you to work at your best. Yeah, absolutely agree. So, okay. So the, the last question I always like to ask on the interview here is what are your top three tips for people to be more effective? And you've already given some really good advice, but just, and, and you can interpret it however you want in terms of being more effective, but what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? The top three pieces of advice that I give out the most for being effective because it means actually getting started, which I think is at least looking at my inbox, that's the hardest part is people are just stuck with all these ideas or not sure what to do next. And so this happened to me when my daughter was born nine years ago. I had no concept of time until she became two years old and the birthday was coming. And it was like, oh my God, this is like mind blowing. And then by th- like her third year is like, there was this definite day that always passed. And it was like, wow, she's now three and I'm in the same spot that I was when she was born. That's crazy. And so to me, the first step is always mark it on your calendar. You're going to start. I don't care even if you have an idea, but mark today on your calendar, your Google calendar or your physical calendar, whatever that happens to work for you. Just mark that day because you don't think that it's going to come or you just, you have this weird, just, vague time, but today is the day and today's coming back and today's that birthday for you. And so when it's six months from now and you're like, oh, I think John told me to start, uh, that was only like two week, two months ago or something. But then you look, it's like, oh man, that was six months ago. I really have to get started. So mark that day down and literally just now it's time to start at least thinking about what it is you want to do. Next thing is you have to determine what it is you want to do. Where do you want to be in that one year from today? which is, it could be, I want to have a blog with 500 subscribers. Sure. Whatever that is, it doesn't matter. But then the next step is you just have to break that down into however many parts you have left. If you finally decide from today to start and it's nine months from now, this is probably going to happen. Don't worry about it. Still go confidently, but just know that now you only have three months. So if you want 500 subscribers, you got to break that into three only, and it's going to take a lot more work. It can still be done. It's not that hard. You just have to do it. So really just mark today on the calendar because it is coming, and a year seems like a long time from now. And it kind of is, but it's coming no matter whether you start or not. So you might as well mark it, and really, it'll kick you right in the butt in a year from now. Be like, oh my God, he told me it was coming, and I thought it was so far away. So do that. Mark the calendar. Decide what it is you want, then break it into however many parts you have left and complete it. That's, I think that's really excellent advice from 
the man who runs Hack the Entrepreneur. So, John, thank you so much for your time. That was really, really a great conversation. And uh, where can people find out more about you? We're going to have links in the show notes, of course, but where's the best place to find out more about you? Hack the Entrepreneur is the absolute best place. Uh, you'll see my blog posts. You'll see my, I got the show coming out three times a week now and some amazing guests. If you want to bypass that totally, you can just email me, I guess, john, J-O-N, at hacktheentrepreneur.com. If you're stuck on something, if you have an issue with anything, if you just want to say hi, by all means, drop me an email and come straight to my phone and wherever I am, keep it simple, keep it short, (laughs) and just tell me what it is you need and I will help you with all of my power. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing Podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we would love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.